Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Very cool. So we have been looking at um, worship and I love worship. I can't sing. So lucky worship is not just singing because it would take probably 99% of us out of the equation. Um, and we've been learning for the last couple of weeks that worship is not about who, what we bring, but it's about who God is. It's not even about what God does. It's about who he is. Um, and it's really important to remember that um, as we're going through this series, that worship can take on so many different forms. But it, at the end of the day, it's about coming in reverence um, and honour to our God. And so tonight, I just want to unpack a little bit more. I've been asked to speak on how to cultivate a heart of worship um, and, and how you go about doing that practically. You know, how do you cultivate something, first of hand? And then how do I cultivate a heart of worship? And I really just feel like tonight God's put on my heart that he's trying to write a love story into our life. The whole purpose of us having worship is to create intimacy between us and God. So the whole desire of his heart from the beginning of time was that he would actually have intimacy with us. And, and so the whole foundation of worship is to achieve that end goal, to actually close the gap, if you like, between our relationship and create intimacy. And so I had all these different directions that I felt like I was going to go and I, I really just felt like God said, Rob, just write a love story. That's what I want to do. I want to write a love story. And so we're going to head down that path tonight, if that's cool. And so I really just wanted to, um, you know, to share with you that from my personal experience and from what I've learned from walking with God for a while, how I've cultivated a heart for worship. Because I love worship. Worship is, um, it's my refreshing. It's the place I come to with God where I can just be raw and real and vulnerable and me. It's a place where I come in and, and um, not with a position that is here, God, this is what I've got, but a position where I'm poised for reverence. Um, takes the focus off us, if you like. So worship is an act of attributing reverent honour to God. Like I said, it's about positioning, not this. It's about positioning like this. It's being poised and, and reverent before our almighty God. All right, one of my favourite songs, the line in it says, Here I am, down on my knees again, surrendering all. I'm desperate for you. That, to me, sums up worship. It's where we say, it's not about us, God. We've got nothing really to give but we're desperate for you. And cultivate, what does it mean to cultivate something? I did have to do a Google search because I'm definitely not the smartest tool in the shed. <laughs> I've got skills, but not always when it comes to words. To cultivate is to acquire or develop a quality or a skill. It's actually a farming or a gardening term, um, which is probably why I didn't get it because I'm really bad at gardening. Although I do have broccoli growing in my backyard right now and lettuce and Beetroot, if anyone can tell me how you know whether beetroot's actually ready or not without digging it out, it's like, it baffles me. We have strawberries, lots of cool stuff. Anyway, Rach, between Rach and I, we'll be able to feed our neighbourhood, right? She's got the sheep and the, the chickens and heaps of cabbage. We've got so much lettuce and cabbage that we could, yeah, power a power plant or something. Anyway, we'll leave that cabbage joke right there. But anyway, so... To cultivate is to acquire or develop a quality or skill and to prepare and use land for crops. That's what it means to cultivate. So the question is, how do we develop or acquire the ability to reverently honour God? When does that happen? How does that happen? A simple place to start is literally flipping your Bible open to Psalms. 
literally there's 150 love stories in Psalms that teach us how to reverently honour and worship God. You can literally open to any part of it and, and it'll, it'll give you something that's gold. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I'll praise the Lord all my life. I'll sing to praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save you. That's Psalm 146. You know, Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry. Psalm 134, praise the Lord, all your servants of the Lord. It goes on and on. There's 150 there. And often when I don't know where to even start when it comes to praise and worship, I just flick open Psalms and I just start speaking out what the word says. Um, but, but separate to that, I guess for each of us, the way we worship God comes in many different forms. Um, for some, it may be that you find um, your worship comes through singing. Some, it may be reading the word. For some, it may be um, looking at the ocean. It may be lots of different ways that you start to cultivate and prepare your heart for coming into reverent worship to God. I guess the closest relationship that I've experienced to that of my relationship with God, which is an amazing relationship but doesn't even go close to my relationship with God, is my relationship with Steve, my husband. We've been married for, I don't even know how many years. Nearly 20, is it, Chrissy? Huh? 18? I think it's 19. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Really, really long time and I really, really love him and I still get that feeling when he comes home from work like I can't wait to go outside and find out what's going on in his day except for when he has that look on his face where I go yeah I'm not even going to ask but most of the time I just can't wait to see him and um, when I first met Steve I didn't have that necessarily feeling I didn't feel like I could run up and embrace him and tell him all the amazing things about him I didn't feel like I um, had a whole lot to say I appreciate you for this and I trust you with my whole heart and emotions and life and fears um, but before long, after spending time with him, and not too long, to be honest, I did feel like that. I did feel like I wanted to spend every waking moment with him. In fact, I remember being a teenager and counting down the minutes and the hours to when he would actually turn up to my house in the afternoon. Um, I couldn't wait to spend time with him because when I was with him, I felt like I um, come alive. I felt like I had a place where I could be loved and I felt like I had a place where I could trust and my emotions and my, my, all of my fears and everything was a safe place. I remember he wrote love letters to me um, and I wrote love letters to him and I would read them over and over and over again and every single one of them showed me a little bit more of who he is and, and who he's seen me to be. I remember thinking about how I wanted to spend my time with him and um, not just that moment and the next day and the next day but the years to come I remember dreaming about what our life would actually look like together I hated feeling distant I hated feeling like you know if there's any, any, anything kind of wrong or we kind of had a little argument about something or he just wasn't around I hated that feeling of, of being distant from him and to be honest as time and time went on I became more and more vulnerable with Steve I felt this overwhelming, we have this funny little thing that we have this explanation of, you know, when you feel so overwhelmingly joyful and in love, you know, it's called our bursty feeling. We still talk about our bursty feeling. And I guess that's how it's been with my relationship with God. At first, when I was a baby Christian, I didn't really feel like going running to him. I didn't really feel like I could trust him wholeheartedly with all my fears and emotions and um, mess, if you like. I, I didn't necessarily have this driving me to spend every waking second with him. Um, but the more I learnt about who I was, 
to God and the more I learned about who God is to me, the more and more my bestiality feelings started to come with God too. The more and more I wanted to spend more time with him, the more I trusted him. I'm so in love with God. Can anyone say that today? That they're so in love with God? And I'm in love with him for so many different reasons, one of which being that he took me out of the mud and the muck. The, the word says that he lifted us up out of the mud and the miry clay and he set our feet upon a solid rock, upon a solid foundation. And that's been the testimony of my life, that, that my God, the lover of my soul, he, he lifted me up out of the mud and he placed my feet upon a rock. And, and when he did that, I, I grew to trust him. I, I grew that, to know that his character is good. That even when I am messy, and trust me, that's often, and when I stuff up and say the wrong thing and, um, you know, I'm a real person, he's still here for me. Through doing those highs and lows with God, I've learnt that he is trustworthy. That more than anything else, he is desperately seeking my affection. He's desperately seeking intimacy with him. So when I come to worship him, Often it is with bursty feelings. Sometimes those bursty feelings are a blubbering mess. Sometimes they're out of control. God, I don't know what on earth is going on. And sometimes they're just overwhelming joy and love for my God. But this is how we cultivate a heart of worship. It's by drawing near to our God and getting to know who he is. There's nothing quite like a daddy hug to hold you together when you feel like your world's falling apart. There's nothing like it in in the world. So I guess the way we've come to cultivate our heart of worship says a lot about who it is that we're actually worshipping. And so I guess through all of that, my encouragement to you is fall in love with God. If you're wondering, how do I cultivate a heart of worship? How do I um, prepare a heart of worship? Get to know the one that you're supposed to be worshipping because you won't help but want to be in his presence. You won't be able to stop yourself um, falling on your face before him. It'll go from being a, I'm coming in on a Sunday and I'm going to sing songs to you, God, because that's what we do, to an all-out love fest of, my God, you are so amazing and I can't help but be reverent in worship to you. So that's the first thing. Fall more in love with God because he's desperately, passionately and relentlessly waiting for you to draw near to him. This is how we come to God in reverence and in selfish, selfless love. The second is this. This is the more practical thing. Cultivate or prepare your heart. This is soil prep. This is the practical side of it. And there are two main um, factors I researched how to cultivate. There are two main factors that go into cultivation. First one, remove the weeds. Pretty simple, right? I don't know if you've ever weeded the garden. I don't do it often. Sometimes I walk past and get annoyed by the garden and so I clean it because I have a little bit of OCD Um, and what I found is that when you and I don't actually know which ones are the weeds and which ones are the real trees so some have been sacrificed but what I've learned if you give it a little tug the weeds come out a whole lot easier than the established plants did you know that so when you give the weeds a tug they actually seem to come out a whole lot easier than the established plants side note so we have to actually start to take out the weeds from our hearts. What do weeds look like? It's lack of faith. It's unforgiveness. It's anger. It's sin. It's bad attitude. It's jealousy. It's selfishness. It's pride. Lord, help me. 
Weeds take up space and they don't allow us to come with reverence and awe. They make us come to God with fear and trembling and shame. God wants us to come to him with reverence and awe, not with fear and shame. And so when we come with weeds that are taking up space in our heart and you know they're there, you kind of get a little bit like, oh no, he's going to see them. And so that's why he says, you know, cultivate a heart of worship. Start to take out the weeds. Prepare the soil. Weeds do, um, Steve is going to preach an amazing message Sunday morning, which he preached a couple of weeks ago here at night, and he talked about the damage that weeds can do and how they suck up all the nutrients. And so when we take um, the weeds out, all of the good stuff that God is wanting to put into us aren't being sucked away by the weeds. Um, And so any relationship that has weeds in it are not ones that make you want to run to each other, but run from each other. We um, do this cool thing called Preparing and Rich, which is pre-marriage, not counselling, but it's kind of like just gives couples tools to look at their future and and to start to um, have a blank canvas as to what their married life is going to look like. And one of our favourite questions, and we ask each other this all the time, is what is it that you want more or less of in your relationship? Um, and, And we found that that question can literally transform people's lives. And I've actually started taking that to God. And in prayer and saying, God, what is it that you want more or less of in our relationship? And actually being vulnerable enough to let him speak into some of the things and go, you know what, Rob, I don't really like that in you. I don't, I don't like it when you respond to me like that. Um, and then I can actually choose to deal with that weed however I choose. But it, I just think it's a really great question to ask God practically. God, what is it that you want more or less of in our relationship? Because doing life with God is a relationship. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's not about you better do A, B and C for God to love you. He loves you regardless. He just wants that relationship to be healthy and to be full and to be intimate. And so can I encourage you, just ask God that question. You know, what do you want more or less of God, of me? What, in our relationship, what do you want more or less of? And he will start to tell you which weeds need to come out. And he'll tell you the right time for each of those weeds to come out. Because it can be hard. You've probably got lots of weeds like me. And if you try and take them all out at the same time, you're probably going to have a bit of a meltdown. So just ask God, what is it right now that you want to actually help me with? The cool thing when you take weeds out is the soil around it actually starts to become loose. Kind of almost does some of the work for you. Because the next thing that happens in um, cultivating, so we remove the weeds, the next thing is we loosen the soil. We turn the soil over. We, we stir up the good stuff in the soil. Um, there's no point in going to Bunnings and buying an amazing, you know, fruit tree or Japanese maple or whatever it is that you want to buy from Bunnings and taking it home and leaving it in a pot because you haven't prepared the soil. And so God is saying to us tonight, start to prepare the soil of your heart. That's how we cultivate a heart of worship, by preparing the soil so that when he starts to impart into us those good things, there's good soil for it to go into. The weeds aren't there taking it all away. So how do we do that? Part of it is that we need to remove the distraction and the clutter. You get to know God by spending time with God. Um, we don't necessarily get to know God better when we're completely distracted by Netflix. Note to self again. You know, we need to actually clear space in our, in our week that we're, when we're turning off the noise, the white noise, if you like, of life so that we can actually spend time reading God's word. You want to get to know who God is, you read his word. We need to remove the the clutter of people sometimes in our life that are speaking things to us that aren't actually building up a reverent heart towards God. 
We need to set aside quality time. It's not always quantity time, you know. It doesn't have to be four hours of Bible study every day to cultivate a heart of worship. But sometimes it is. Every afternoon when um, Steve comes home from work, we set aside time, usually it's maybe sometimes half an hour if we're lucky, where we sit around the dining table, the little bench thing in the kitchen, sorry, <coughs> and we have coffee. And it's just that moment where we get to stop and talk and reconnect and say, how was your day, babe? What was going on? How was work? How are you feeling? What have we got coming up? It's just reconnecting. And we have to have times like that with God where we literally take time out every day to reconnect and say, God, this is how I'm at. This is where I'm up to. This is where I'm going. What do you want me to do today? What's going on today? Um, And so that's a small amount of time. It doesn't take a lot of time. It may be that you get to read your word. It may be that you get to chuck on some worship music um, in the car or whatever. That is creating space to cultivate a heart of worship. Sometimes we need more. Sometimes we need date night. We actually need to, you know, get the kids babysat and actually go away and and spend time just focused on each other. We need to do the same with God. We need to allow time where we can just have a little bit more depth. Maybe it is that you need to, um, I don't know, whatever it is that you do that that creates worship time for you. Maybe that you come and do your prayer course um, and get to know the heart of God better. Um, Sometimes it takes a little bit more time. And then other times you have your mountaintop moments where you have to get away. It may be conference. I know Colour this year, for me, Colour Conference in Sydney, which is a, a conference for women, a Christian conference for women, I'm pretty sure I crawled in there on my hands and knees and broke all my fingernails on the door on the way through. I was so desperate to be in the presence of God. I was so hungry to be with the one that I love. I was so needing to just have that infill. Um, I couldn't wait to corporately worship my God and sometimes you do you have to just take those moments out I call them my mountaintop experiences where you come back feeling radiant and ready to get on with the next stage of life so remove the weeds turn up the soil take the time practically read your word read your love letters yeah spend some time with worship music on if that's how it is spend time in creation go back and remember what it is that God actually did for you you know remember your first love And the third thing is understanding why we worship. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the last couple of weeks, um, God's been really just driving home to the idea of me um, to draw near, that we we actually need to position ourselves to draw near to God. Um, and, And lots of the time, there's so many distractions in the world, we live in a world that is screaming out to distract us right now. Um, and, and when we are actually designed for intimacy and relationship with God, when we're not in that, we become distracted really easily. We, we, we forget about him even to some point. And Romans one twenty five says it pretty much warns us about worshipping creation rather than the creator. It gives us great warning. And if you want to go there and read it and have some heavy reading, maybe not before bed, go and read Romans one twenty five. It basically says, I'm warning you, if you give up worshipping me and go and worship the things around you, it's not going to end well. It's, it's, it's a very clear warning. And I find myself doing that sometimes. You know, you get distracted by, you know, needing to pay for things and, and sports events and all the different things that, good things some of them, Um, that take your focus away from God, but he is a jealous God. And he says that he wants to be number one in our life. And when we genuinely love him and get to know him, 
there's no other place that really he should have. There's no other place that I'd really rather him have in my life. And so I found this amazing um, scripture and it actually had me a bit messy today. So I um, hope you receive it with grace tonight. But just close your eyes for a minute. I just want to read to you from, um, it's the message version. It's James 4, 5 to 10. And it says this, You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance that you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. Don't, don't you suppose that God doesn't care? The Proverbs say that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what, gives in, what he gives in love is far, far better than anything else that you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let God work his will in you. Tell the devil to get lost and watch as he scampers away. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time at all. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify the secret places of your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit rock bottom and cry your hours out if need be. The fun and games are over. Let's get real. Let's get serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way that you'll get back on your feet. I don't know about you, I found that to be really confronting and yet so powerful and beautiful at the same time. God is saying that he is a jealous lover, that he wants us to himself, that he can give us more than we could ever get from the world. It says there that it's far better than anything else that you'll find. But he's saying, come back to me. And sometimes that takes humility and it takes us to be broken. It says to hit rock bottom. It says to get on your knees before the master. It's the only way that you'll get on your feet. And I think that's that reset button that Steve was talking about tonight. Sometimes we actually have to clean out the weeds. We have to churn the soil and get back to the fact that God is the lover of our soul. You know, when we draw near, when we lean in, we become vulnerable. We become accountable and we begin to experience intimacy and connection. We experience right standing with God and this is true worship. When we draw near to God, we experience life and life to the full. Not always the easy life. I think that Christianity is this fake thing that people sort of think is, you know, come to God and life will be easy. It's not all sunshines and, you know, roses and rainbows and unicorns and all that stuff. Sometimes it's hard. But he's willing to go through our valleys with us. It has an eternal purpose and value. So I guess it's one thing to come to church each week and we pop on our praise hat and we raise our hands and that's all great. Don't stop doing that. God wants us to come in here and, and praise and worship him together. It's his heart for us together to actually praise and worship him. But let's actually cultivate a heart where it's, it's not just Sunday a.m. to Sunday p.m. But when we walk out of here tomorrow, Monday morning, that our heart is still as desperate to be in the presence of our God. When we're struggling with something, we become vulnerable and we become closer to God. When we're going through our highs, we thank God and we become closer and our intimacy increases. We need to come to the one who we know loves us, the one who longs for intimacy with us, to the point of stalking, it says in Psalm 139 that literally you'll turn around and you'll walk into him. That's how close he is to you. <clears throat> to the one who has changed your whole life, 
who set your feet upon a rock and actually throw yourself at his feet and go, you know what, God, I reverently honour you. You see, the way we cultivate, grow, develop, learn and acquire a heart of worship is by drawing near Sunday to Sunday. It's by being vulnerable enough to allow God to move our mountains and to walk beside us through our valleys. It's by getting to know who God made you to be. It's by getting to know the God who knit us together for his purpose and who said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's by making God number one. When you're doing that, you're desperately longing to be in his presence and you will worship him in every season. And as I finish tonight, you may know God personally and you may have known God at some point in your life or you may have never experienced what it's like to actually walk with the God that I'm talking about tonight, the one that I love more than my husband, and that says a lot. Can I encourage you that he's so much closer than you think? He's so much more desperately, passionately, and relentlessly waiting for us to draw near than you could imagine. And all it takes is for us to actually humbly say, God, I need you. I want more of you in my life. I want to be in your presence, God. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that your heart towards us is one of love, of compassion, of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy. You're a good, good father who just wants to give us amazing things. And God, tonight I ask that as you challenge us to live our life sold out for you, as we trust you with every intricate detail of our life, our kids, our marriage, our work, our finances, our family, our ministry, our future, as we hand all that to you and trust you and say, God, I want you to be number one over that stuff. You teach us what it means to truly worship you. I just thank you, Lord, that you take us on a journey that you move our mountains and you walk through our valleys. And tonight, Lord God, I pray over every single person that's sitting here. I pray that they come to know their own love story with you. I thank you that every single day you are writing another page in the love story that is you and us. Draw us nearer to you, Lord God. Help us to trust you. Help us to rely on you, Lord God. Help us to seek intimacy with you more and more every day. And for those of you, who, for those people here, God, that don't know you yet, tonight I pray that you draw them closer to you. I pray that they'll seek out ways to get to know you more. I just thank you, Lord, that your presence, there's nothing like it. There's no place I would rather be than in your presence, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome.